welcome to episode two of the Adventure Podcast. My name is Kyle Versteg, I'm here with James Noka. How you doing, guys? And uh, lots of requests for a post-election <laughs> wrap-up uh, Actually, we're episode. Like almost a mo- month? Yeah, I, th- I figured we'd be, but be smarter to give it a little bit of time. Three weeks, I think, since, uh, since the, the hammer got dropped on Hillary. But uh, I thought we would wait until the end to oh. get into that, because there is actually quite a bit of... Adventure-related stuff to talk about. Um, so, what what do you got in the bag there? Oh, I, I got my my everyday bag that I carry with me all the time. But we can talk about this after. Oh, okay. Stuff stuff that I carry all the time. Well, I noticed one thing that you to tell them about the whistle that's on there because oh, that, storm whistle. Yeah, that model of whistle saved my butt once. This is a this is a storm whistle. I'm not going to blow it because it's very loud, but. I was first introduced to these diving in the, I want to say it was the mid-90s, but it might have been a little bit later than that. When they first came out, uh, the guy that was running our dive team, which was at the time not me, found these and bought us, everyone, to put on our BCs. So when we come to the surface, we need to get somebody's attention, we can blow these things. And these are like one of the, if I'm not mistaken, the loudest whistle that's available. Let's see who makes these. It's yeah, just Storm. Yeah, this this is the exact one. Now yours is, and they're made in the USA. Uh, yours is uh, black. I have one that's like fluorescent orange. Yeah, but. I have another one that's orange too. Yeah. Um, but that's how I got started with these things. And of course, everybody was. You know, saying, eh, you know, they're not that loud. We're not sure we're going to like them because typically, you when you buy a BC, typically they come with a with a whistle on the. It's like a life preserver. A lot of life preservers, when you buy a really good life preserver, they tend to come with a whistle on them. Yeah, uh, like the inflatable ones that that go off automatically. Poof. Uh, Some of them have like a slide whistle for the for our bushcraft friends that like to listen to <laughs> Zamfir and play While some like survive. <laughs> What's kind of funny was I who the hell was I just talking to about a they were on a kayak trip somewhere. Or they were, they were trying ocean kayaking or something like that, and they had one of those blow up. Oh, I know, it was a, it was a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. That they were in Florida, him and his daughter were in Florida, and they were they got ocean kayaks and they were going to go kayaking, and he got in his kayak right at the beach and was trying to paddle off it, and he had one of those inflatable ones around his neck. Well, he didn't realize that it's not a pull cord one, it's if it gets wet. They'd go off. Oh. So he's sitting at the beach trying to launch himself against the waves, and one came over the bow, right onto his lap, right onto his vest, and poof, about three minutes later, it popped open. Now it was faster than three minutes, but it popped open, but... Anyway, so those kind of life vests typically come with, with a whistle attached to them somewhere, and they're usually a little flat. Yeah, just, you know, yeah, intrusive whistle. Yeah, 
Um, and so everybody was like, oh, yeah, this is a big and clunky thing until we got in the water and actually started using them. And I'll tell you what, they're loud. They carry a, they, they got a, a, they got a voice that carries a long way. Yeah. And that's, uh, that, you know, so anyways, I have one of those on the outside of my bag. Which is, this is a, this is an old bag. I've had this for a long time. This is a waxed back to the canvas. Back to the whistle real quick. Oh, okay. My, um, my story with that particular whistle is, is I had an orange one that I brought with me to Guyana. Somebody mm-hmm. gave it to me and said, bring this along. And uh, we had to build a raft. And they, there, the, where we were on the Essequibo River, there was no true balsa. So our raft was kind of janky to begin with. <laughs> uh, and it took us an entire day to build this raft because we had to float five people and everybody had like a 70-pound pack. So five guys plus all of this gear. And it worked fine. Um, but the second day... Uh, it started having some issues because I think water started getting into the logs. And uh, we thought, well, why don't we flag down one of these boats and just tow us to shore? Um, but to the opposite shore, because the shore we were on had uh, 30 miles of swamp. That That's the whole reason we were bypassing it. So we were trying to signal this boat, and I'm like, oh, I have a whistle. So I blew the whistle, and they heard it, like, clear that, that, I mean, the Essequibo River is, like, as big as the Mississippi. It's, like, huge. And so that's my... Well, they're loud. I'm telling you, they are loud. They will attract attention. And then uh, there's these... uh, The other cool thing about that river is uh, there's gold dredges. And I get that uh, one of the... They're real careful about boats approaching them because like 90% of the people out there that are going to approach one is a pirate and they're going to and they get robbed all the time in fact the captain when we finally when they finally let us aboard this gold dredge had one arm because he lost the other in a machete fight with pirates (laughs) but uh Anyway, that was pretty cool. So your bag, you were saying? Yeah, it's a it's a uh, Duluth pack. This is an old Duluth pack. Uh, sh- they call them shell bags for some reason. I don't know why, uh-huh. but it's wax canvas. This has been through the ringer several times, um, but it still is, you know, very I mean, very durable. Very, uh, and I, it's like a um, it's like a man bag, only it looks like a man bag. Instead of a purse. That's got like, well, yeah, it's not pretty enough to be a purse, right. but it's roughly the same shape. Exactly. Um, it, our friends our, our friends in the reenactment community, otherwise known as the bushcraft community, like those quite a bit. <laughs> oh, these are? Yeah. Any, anything kind of canvassy and really clunky and awkward, <laughs> they love that shit. Mm. But, yeah, that's a... Uh, I tell you, it's not—it's the only reason this is heavy is because of the shit I got in it. Oh, I suppose. You know, I mean, it's really not. When I get it emptied out, you'll see that it's not that heavy. But I have uh, a little um, Pelican case that's got medicine in it. It's got like uh, ibuprofen and some goodie powder and yeah. Um, uh, speaking of where do where do our listeners find goodie powder? Because I went looking for some in Oh, you know what I found it at the dollar store. Oh, okay. Well, that explains um, it. In the south, in the south, it's real prevalent. Yeah. Up here, not so much. It's just recently. I mean, I used to have my kid mail me some, or David mail me, my buddy David mail me some, or you know, get, get somebody from the south to mail some up. Yeah. And uh, 
it was just recently I found it in our, I don't remember if it's called the Dollar Store, the Dollar General. I mean, yeah, something like that. But it's they have both of them. They have, they have goodie powder and they have BC powder, too, which is the same. It's a BC knockoff or a goodie powder knockoff. Yeah. But I remember the first time I ever used that, I was like, what the hell is that? Yeah, so let's, let's tell them what it is first. It's... it's it's, uh, I don't even have the box with me. All I have is the but it's, it's basically got aspirin and probably caffeine yeah. in there, and it's a, it comes in like a little Kool-Aid packet. Yeah, it looks like um, it looks like cocaine. Right. It's, yeah. it's like yeah. in a little Kool-Aid packet, and you just got you that o- stuff. You open it up, and you just put the, and it's all, it's, it's ground up. Whatever it is, it's a powder. And it's sour as hell. And so, so I didn't, we didn't have anything, and I was in camp with Jim one time, and I had a headache because... When you're, when I'm outside for a long time, a lot of times I'll wake up with a headache because I sleep so crazy deep, mm-hmm. and then, uh, or for whatever reason, maybe the pressure is changing or something. Well, so we didn't have any, but he had this goodie powder stuff, and I'm like, that doesn't work, bullshit. <laughs> and so I tried it, and it's like terrible bitter. But seriously, thirty seconds later, your headache is gone. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. to me when, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact of the way you, the way you take it in your when you take it in your mouth like that. I think your you, mouth membranes, yeah, yeah. Is, is really close to, and you you have a big uptake of medicine immediately, and it comes right through. You get it in your mouth. I mean, even though you swallow it and you yeah. try to drink water with it quick enough, you actually get enough of a dose in your mouth that it immediately starts working. So it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, And for anyone that uh, doesn't fancy going into a dollar store, you can get this stuff on Amazon as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I placed an Amazon order recently. Oh, so I found the ultimate toy for when you come over to our house. Right, so the last thing I ordered from Amazon, there's this thing called Anki Overdrive, A N K I. Overdrive, and you remember slot cars, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's slot cars, but they're little robot slot cars. They're cars, <laughs> but they they learn the track, and then you control how fast they go and what lane they're in, and then you have weapons, and you control it with your smartphone, and you can build the track however you want. You can have it up on your furniture <laughs> and down, and uh, they'll run for like 20 minutes, and it keeps the app keeps track of who's in first place and what happened. And, uh, yeah, so I got that for the kids, because <laughs> I'm going to punish them. And so you're playing more of it than with the kids? Well, I haven't, we haven't, it's uh, coming for Christmas. Oh! Yeah, and so that's the last thing. listen to this. Yeah, they won't. Don't worry. Uh, but, uh, so you can get it on Amazon, it looks like. I, I just looked for it in, in the... Rite Aid or whatever the other day and couldn't find it because... Um, they didn't even Rite Aid. That surprises me. Um... Yeah, but I guess I haven't bought it right. We have a, oh, excuse me. We have one of those little Dollar General or whatever the hell they are stores. And yeah, in our right in our town. Yeah, and that's the only reason I found it there. I mean, you happen to look, you can see it there, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. So, uh, so then I got a knife. Yeah, got my. No, oh, you got my spoon. I got you. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Okay, so uh, we probably talked about this on the other podcast, but we haven't talked it about about it on here. So there's a spoon um, that has like a little pot hook slash beer opener, 
and it's called uh, Pro Health. Let me see if there's another it's titanium. I think. Right? Yeah, it's a little titanium spork, um, and I I like those a lot. I Health Pro. Health Health Pro. Let me look. Health, health Pro. Pro Spork. Um, anyway, I, I got into these titanium. Um, uh, sporks because I was in the desert walking around barefoot middle of nowhere and stepped on one buried in the sand Ooh. <laughs> so, so I've, I've kept that one um, so I have this I have this little uh, I don't even know what the hell you call this little pouch this is a triple out design like a little like a knife pouch that goes in your it looks belt. like a mag pouch right or a yeah, similar, but it's not big enough to put a mag. Yeah, so it'd be for like, your multi-tool, probably. Yeah, it's multi-tools fit in here real well. And and um, I've got a uh, um, knife and fork, or a spoon and a fork that was uh, issued to the Panama Defense Force. Oh, cool. And that's in that case. And then on the belt part of it, I take my little imp. Oh, yeah. And I take my little imp, and I take this spork, and I Velcro it together on the back side of it. So I have, like, this is like my my cooking utensil, eating utensil kit. So if ever I needed, if I was ever in a situation I needed to eat something, I got everything, all the bases covered here. Yep, and we're, we're going to talk about eating here in a little bit. So um, it's a nice little, a nice little setup right there. Yeah. Then I've got my multi-tool. Yeah, this is a. Um, you're fond of the SOG ones, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. SOG uh, power lock. EOD tool is what that one is. Okay. So it's got tools that are related to EOD stuff. Okay. But they're handy. It's a great. Uh, it's a really, really good wire cutter and needle nose pliers. Yeah. Then I've got a spare pair of reading glasses. Yes. Never been used. Um, we won't talk about that because that's magazine nice. Got a flashlight. Oh, yeah. What's this that's one? That's one of this those. Um, that's a. It's a company that makes follow spots. Okay. Chap. Chapman Lee Leonard. I can't think of the. I can't think of the USA lens light. Lens Chapman light. Leonard is. It's a lens light. And if you adjust, oh yeah, that is a lens. Yeah, there. yeah. When you it's so a single. It's battery's probably low right now a little bit, but it's a square. Uh huh. And 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 then uh, you can make it more diffuse yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So it's real handy. It's a little bulkier than my. Uh, um. Than my. Uh, Surefire, my little Surefire one. Yeah, and but it is a lot brighter. It's, it's quite a bit brighter. Yeah, the so you have basically the older version of the Surefire Outdoorsman. Yeah, and I I like the light, but the one that I grab the most often, and I'll get it out of my bag here, is a um, is a lot smaller mm-hmm. and a lot brighter, and I think it uses a triple A. If I can find it here. This is the fire. Oh, and then there's these one uh, Streamlight Micro Streams. They're real good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not finding my little. Yeah, it's not in here. 
It's in my other bag. But you see, I, you see, I figure that light is important, so I have a Princeton Tech um, headlight. Yeah. Uh, EOS. I think it's an EOS. EOS uh, light headlight. I've had really good luck with Princeton Tech. They're um, I used I had one in Iraq and Afghanistan both, and uh, never had an issue with them. It takes three AAA batteries. Works yeah. well. Yeah, and see, this is for the lights that I have to use when I go into the boonies. Uh, I like one that will use a battery that but, I you know what's interesting about these when you use with, with the LED technology and the three triple A's they actually last a long long yeah time. especially I mean, if you put a lithium in there right most um, uh, most excursions you won't even need to change batteries in this yeah I mean it was seriously I mean I think when when I was in uh, uh, in Iraq I was in a I was in a no light Red light inside only, no light on the outside, and it, I use it all all the time inside because there's you have, you have no other light other than a simple red light, and uh, I mean I used it constantly. Yeah. So looking at this, the the light that I uh, carry with me most of the time is a Surefire Titan Plus. Yeah. Ultra compact that or a Streamlight MicroStream. Yeah. My my. Uh, Actually, my Surefire that I carry was an E1, I think it was an E1E originally. Yeah, It was you, even before they, they had an LED head. Yeah, and then you upgraded yours with I, an LED kit, right? Yeah, I yeah. put a, I put a uh, KL, I think it was a KL1 new head on it. Yeah. And so it made it a E2, E10, I think. Uh-huh. Because that, key, that head will actually go on a two cell or a, or a one cell. Yeah. So it, it makes for a nice system, anyways. Yeah, and yours, uh, the modern day version of yours is the outdoorsman. Yeah. yeah. Essentially. And I have that light too, as I like it as well. I have a pencil. I have a little fire kit, live fire kit. Oh, yeah. It's that, um, uh, I believe what's in there is that uh, fire rope, fire cord. Yeah, that fire cord stuff. Yep. Do you have a lighter? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always have a lighter somewhere. Well, actually, you know what? I might have I might have taken the lighter off of this to light a cigar the other day, but I do have a lighter in my vest. Then I have a uh, little military survival kit. Little tin. Oh, yeah. This you know, is just a... a just a little pre, tin with a bunch of shit in there. Yeah, pre-packed, and I have extra paracord. What else do I have in here? I have a, uh, I have a little LED light. Nice, yeah, for like a tent light, yeah. little dome light. Yeah, and then I've got a uh, cigar cutter. That's absolutely essential. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is this? Is it AMT backup? Oh, I don't. I don't know that one. It's forty-five, obviously. Forty-five. Yeah. Double action only. And I have never seen one of these. Yeah, that's a badass. That's a freaking badass belly gun right there. Uh huh. Um, got another compass. We got a Marvels compass on the inside. Uh huh. I've got a 
wrist compass on the outside. I've got a what kind of flashlight is that? That's going to be the... You bought that at Target because I have that same no, flashlight. No, no, no. I did not buy this at Target. What? This is... I've had this for a long time. Yeah, me too. I have that same flashlight and I bought it at Target. No. Well, you might be... It's an Innova. Yeah. I think that's what it is. But I, it, they, Target oh. did not sell it when I bought this. Oh, okay. I've got one of these that's actually titanium too. Is that what this is? Innova? 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 I don't know, I but I, I have that exact flashlight by my side. Can you see that on a book uh, cap? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I have this exact light. Yeah, it's a great light. Yeah, works good. And mine light. was like 20 bucks or something. Yeah. And then I have a friend of mine that um, was in the, the um, bulletproof vest business forever and ever, amen. He basically invented the lightweight bulletproof vest. His name is Richard Davis. Uh-huh. And he just came out with another design... And it's called Ballistic um, Ballistic Beaver Bags. Okay. Okay. So what the... And he's, he's a big deal about these little flashlights. Oh, yeah. And he gives them away all the time. Yeah. So I had that hooked to the outside of the bag. But the Ballistic Beaver Bags are kind of interesting because they're... They are um, sandbags that are long tubes. Okay, and they're attached. There's like two tubes, and they have an attachment in the middle. Okay. So you can stagger them and stack it up, and you literally can build like a beaver dam out of them. Yeah, it's essentially building a little bunker. Yes. Yeah. And it, but instead of being sandbags, they're long tubes, and you can carry them like a litter. Okay. So you, you fill up yeah. both the tubes, then you can put poles in them, and two guys can carry them, and then you set them down on top of each other. And the way they're designed is that you can take like... Um, like three or two, two on the bottom. So you put them next to each other on the bottom, and then you overlap, like building yeah. block kind of thing, and you can they overlap into each other. Yeah. And so what you're doing essentially is building something that's structurally more sound than a than a uh, than a sandbag. Yeah. Set up. And it's it's a pretty cool system. Our friend uh, Jonathan Eldridge, mm-hmm. uh, he's a military type, and he had to go out and. Direct his crew well. Direct his crew to build like a reinforced position. Mm-hmm. They weren't given anything but like shovels and some cardboard boxes or mm-hmm. something. And they took the cardboard boxes and filled them with dirt and yep. used those as sandbags. Yep. So I thought that was pretty clever. Well, if you think about, um, there's a guy. I don't know if he was a Brit or, but he invented um, Heskel barriers. That's a stroke, too, by the way. What's a Haskell barrier? Everything in... Every every fire base in Iraq and Afghanistan and and every reinforced position in, in both countries have these things. They look like giant cages with um, cloth on the inside of it. Okay. Bur- like burlap. And you open them up, and it makes a big giant box. Yeah, and you fill them up with an end loader. And when I say they're giant box, they're like, oh, I see. Square. So it's it's, an, it's basically a gigantic sandbag. Exactly. Only it's it's made out of a out of wire. Yeah. And you just scoop up with an end loader and open it up and fill them up. And you can put them like three deep and then open up the second one on the second floor. Fill those two up and yeah. then put a, one on the top on the third floor, and you have fighting positions built like. Instantly. 
Yeah. And they're they're they'll stop a lot. Oh, I would imagine. Yeah, but they're like eight foot. Let's see, eight foot or six foot. Basically boxes. Yeah. So by six by six by six, like cubes. So I was uh, watching this uh, show, and you got to get these. you got to borrow them from me, uh, called 1940s House. And back in the early 2000s, PBS put out this series where they take, you know, some people and they put them in back in historical conditions and make them live. Mm-hmm. Well, the 1940s House one, they took this family and they made them live like they were living in... Britain during the air raids. And so the guy built this thing called an Anderson shelter in his backyard. And it was basically some corrugated steel, and you had to build like a little dugout. And then the steel formed the roof, and then you piled dirt up on there. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, well, think about it. In the 60s and 50s, you had people building bomb shelters, yeah. nuclear fallout shelters that were complete. I mean, a lot of people think that this prepping thing is no, like yeah. new. But the reality of it is, in the 50s, after, you know, early 50s, when the, when the nuclear race started, um, we pretty much were prepping way back when. I had a, I had a, uh, I grew up in a house that had a steel-reinforced concrete bomb shelter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in Not unusual. underground, you know. And Not unusual. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, anyway, so we've been uh, meaning to get out and do some stuff, but we've both been so busy. Oh, it's, it's, it's been crazy. We've been, um, well, besides the, the weather's been wonderful. And- I've been trying to, you know, it's raining right now, but I've been trying to cut as much wood as I can and get it put up because uh, the more wood you cut right now, the less wood you got to cut later on. And I I got trapped into that as well. Some guy showed up at my house with a semi-trailer full of tree trunks, and it took me all summer to cut and split all of that. Yeah, that's nice. But uh, I just did a video. I just edited it and put it out the other day, a... um, a video with about my grandsons, and it generated a lot of uh, a lot of questions, email questions that I've got to. I think I'm going to do another, actually do a review on it and explain. Well, yeah, just what, do a questions answered. It's yeah, the easiest because, way to do that because it's a um, it's it's interesting the way that mall is de- designed. It's not like. American malls at all. It's no. a total different. Well, and there's. Be sure to tell them that there's two of them. Mm-hmm. There's there's the one that you've got, which is the bigger version. There's the one that I've got, which is now they call smaller. they call the one that you have a splitting axe for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, but it's the same head. It's just a shorter handle. Yep. But and uh, uh, but they're not as heavy as a mall. Either one of them are not as heavy as a mall. Because um, I had an eight pound and a twelve pound splitting mall. Yeah, and basically an American design, and and this thing is not shaped like that at all. It's got a giant convex, and the and the pole is different. There's yeah. more. You have more, There's more meat back there. Yeah, yeah. And so when you uh, um, when you split wood, if you if you have a good eye and you can you can hit the same spot all the time, eventually you'll get cracks developing. Mm-hmm. And and that's the key with that unit is it's not sheer force it's more finesse yeah uh, and it, and it works wonderfully I mean so I got I got thirty two thirty three face cord of wood cut and split with that stupid thing uh, yeah. 
you know, and my wife keeps saying, why don't you buy a log splitter? Why don't you buy a log splitter? Yeah. But, yeah, I had to resort to the log splitter for most of mine this year because I just, I just don't have time. Right. I, I put up uh, doing calculations because I stacked mine a certain way. Calculation is 11 full cord of wood. Nice. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, there's just no way I have time to split all of that by hand. And now I split a lot of it, and certainly I split all of my kindling by hand. But um, I just there's just no way I can one person me with a full time job can do all of that. Right. You know. So I I used a splitter. But yeah, it's uh, well. And then the the other thing is is whenever you make a video. Uh, there's always going to be people that pick some stupid thing out of there and try to make some point. Well, one of the things that I, I made was there, there's a lot of videos out there where guys are trying to explain exactly how to do, how to split wood with a splitting wall. And it's funny because, you know, wood that you split in the, in the Pacific Northwest and in the mountains where you you got nothing but pines is a completely different world than yeah. splitting wood when you got you know beech and oak and you know gnarly maple and, and also when you're trying to split wood that maybe isn't dry yet right yeah, yeah. and so you know and then so you got these guys that you stand here and you do this and you hold your hands this way and you put your feet here and you do this and you do that and you sweat like hell you know, and I, I, I was like, man, I'm not going to try to explain that to you. You figure out what works for you as long as you do it safely and don't hit your legs and, yeah. you know, do those kinds of things. But, um, but it is interesting to see some of the, some of the YouTubers out there that are, you know, self-proclaimed experts on, you know, different things that are going on. Well, and then, you know, you'll get some guy writing in and commenting, blah, 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 and you look for their video on how to do it, and they have zero videos. Right, right. It's like, dude, just make your own video. Right. Show me. But, yeah, so it's kind of interesting. Um, different. It's a different world. It's definitely a different world because, it, you know, there's this notion that somehow or another, the more subscribers you have, the more credibility you have. Yeah. You know, and it's like this this big deal. As I know a guy that's got like a gazillion um, subscribers, and he's an idiot. Well, I, I think we're talking about the same guy. Yeah. 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 And it's comical. I mean, it's 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 just comical because his videos aren't well the, at all. The, you know, if you want to build a, a subscriber base, what you do is you. You put out some videos on some stuff, but you tap into that paranoid YouTuber thing. You know, mm-hmm. like the guys that are like, oh, you know, the, well, before Hillary started doing it for real, they'd be, oh, the Russians are coming, you know, or something. <laughs> like, we gotta, we got to save 50 pounds of corn every week. And, you know, like, so if you tap into that, you're going to get a buttload of subscribers really, really quickly. You know, well, if you it's, feed it's on interesting people's fears how, and things. You know, we went through the whole Y2K thing. Um, at the you know, when did you graduate from college? Were you uh, from I would have been ninety six. Uh, I entered medical school in ninety seven. So you were like right neck deep in Chicago, or where yeah. you were in yeah two thousand. And I, everybody knew it was bunkum. I had guys working for EDS and 
doing data entry for all these big places have said this is way overblown. Well, the the, the big part of the problem was not so much our stuff because we had everything was pretty much blacked out. The big question was, did the Russians take care of their stuff? And here's what here's the, the thing that I heard was we gave the Russians money to fix their so they wouldn't so their nukes wouldn't launch out of their submarines. Yeah. And apparently they didn't do it. They didn't you know, they, they were like, no, we don't have a problem, we don't have a problem. I mean, I have friends of mine that were actually working in a, in a non-sheltered building watching nuclear submarines to see if they were going to launch their missiles. <laughs> <laughs> because they were sure that something was going to happen. Hmm. Um, but that was the concern. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that we had an issue of. It was just... The yeah. Soviets. Well, I mean, equipment because it was yeah, not, it was not I think kept you're, up to date. Yeah, I think you're coming at it from a different perspective mm-hmm. because that was that may have been the view in the military. That was not the view in the civilian world. No, that wasn't on anybody's radar. No. Everybody was like, everything's going to stop. The power grid is going to crash. Right. It's going to be right. pandemonium, cat five nonsense going yeah. on. Yep. And, and dogs and cats living in sin. Right, exactly. And, and it, you know, it was pretty much a done deal that we weren't going to have to worry about any of that. But people still. Well, it's, it is interesting because right now, now that they're they're saying that the whole cybersecurity thing is the our power grid is very susceptible right now for some unknown reason. Um, they can't figure out why or how, but they're saying that that one. Uh, we had a big power outage. Yeah, there, there was like some was, rolling power outages. Yeah, and they're saying that that was totally from the outside. Somebody well, doing. that and the internet. They right before the election, there were a couple big major outages yeah. in different isolated parts of the country. So it's not that there isn't a risk. It's just you know, come yeah. on, try to be reasonable and live a but I tell you, normal I, yeah, life. I don't know. I remember reading about the power grid, and I'm assuming it's still the same way. That we have all of this, like a big vat, and all of these things that put uh, electricity into this big vat are all at different levels. And if that ever shuts off, turning it back on in the right sequence is what makes it difficult to get it back yeah. firing on all cylinders. Because otherwise, everything overloads. Yeah, and that was what they were. That was what they're concerned about. But well, it didn't happen. Yeah, and so we're all safe. So. So, um, lately, uh, I've been kind of rereading some older stuff, and, uh, and uh, the, the cool thing about all of this, you know, if you want to go do something, um, the chances are someone has done it before and probably done it better than you could think of on <laughs> your own. So, you know, somebody was, I got some questions about, like, survival food and some things like this, and in... So I started looking at all the different ways that people have done it and why it works for them and all this. And, of course, the military uses MREs, Mm -hmm. and that's perfect for them because um, it's high calorie, uh, and a lot of times they're not, at least modern day, aren't walking 50 miles carrying a bunch of shit on their back. 
day after day after day. And if they do, they strip them all out. Right, yeah. But then the, I guess the, the deal with the MREs that I'm not super fond of is that you're carrying around liquid right. when you wouldn't necessarily need to. Right. Right, so you, you got to kind of look at what the conditions are going to be like before you choose your food. So I was reading these old... Uh, old uh, accounts of, like, these salt caravans, mm-hmm. and I guess they're still kind of going today, mm-hmm. where they have to cross some huge stretch of desert, and uh, they might be out there, like, for a very long time. And so they were carrying water, and then I'll show you what else they were carrying. I actually happened to have some here. Oh, dates? Yeah, water and dates. And, and that's like, uh, so like, let me let me just look up some stats for people. I had this all figured out once, but then I forgot it. Yeah, dates are great. Yeah, well, they're, so a date is a, yeah, a date is a date calories. So calories and a date. Um, one cup of these is 414 calories. Um, and this is... Oh, this, this is probably a cup and a quarter. So right in my hand here, weighs hardly anything, is 500 calories. Mm-hmm. You really do not need that many calories to keep going. You right. just need a little bit, enough right. to keep the system running. Um, and so they would, they would carry water and dates. And they last a long time. Yeah, forever. Forget it. Yeah, about dates are... Especially in a dry climate, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're good to go if you've got dates. Yep. Um, but that was kind of that was one of the more interesting ones that I've happened upon lately. And then you look at some of these desert cultures, um, like in Morocco, right? So if you're going to live out in the middle of nowhere and water is scarce, and you want cooked food, they've gone so far as to have developed a a way of cooking. It uses minimal fuel and minimal water, but you still end up with a stew at the end of it. And um, have you seen a tagine? You've probably seen mm-hmm. mine. It's that thing with the domed. Mm-hmm. So in Morocco, they'll have a pot that's got a bottom to it that you're going to put your ingredients in. But then it's got like kind of a cone-shaped mm-hmm. tube or a cone-shaped lid, and you cook and the condensation goes up to the top of this cone and then drips back down. Mm-hmm. So you need very little water to actually You can cook. actually buy those right now, like... Probably on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, my um, guess is you can even get them on Amazon. Le Creuset? Yeah, Le Creuset has them. I've got one of those, yeah. Um, but, uh, what do they call it? A tagine. Tagine. T-A-G-I-N-E. Yeah. Um, but... If if you look if if you ever look into Moroccan cooking and I, I this is one of the things I got interested in because they they're cooking over open fires right. with minimal fuel and all of this and and uh, they have a whole cu- cuisine designed around this mm-hmm. you know so for survival foods and everything you just look around you know? yeah yep um, of course my favorite thing for foods is uh, rice and beans oh yeah. Fuck yeah! I mean, you you have some dried beans and some dried rice, and you're good to go. Um, let's see mistakes that I've seen people make. Uh, let's say someone gives you a chicken, right? Uh, the American thing to do is to take it, 
clean it, and then cook it over coals, mm-hmm. like barbecue it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you want the maximum benefit, take it, clean it, make a soup. Mm-hmm. Because you're you're getting the chances are the chicken that you just got is tough as hell, right? And when you cook it over flames, it's you're going to be or any, or any bird. I mean, yeah. as far as that goes, yeah. yeah. Oh, or, and most most wild animals mm-hmm. that you're going to ever capture, like we caught a sloth and uh, anyway you didn't eat that. Yeah, I did. No. Yeah, but um, uh, any animal that you're going to catch is probably going to be tough as hell. Uh, and if you, especially with a chicken, if you throw away the bones, you're throwing away like a huge chunk of your nutrition there. So make a soup, dummy. Anyway, that's that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, it's it, you know if people had questions or whatever a specific situation, um, you know that's probably the easier thing to talk about rather than just survival foods in general. But for me, it is tough to beat the utility of dried beans and rice. Um, And if you want to go one step further and make it really, really easy, uh, minute rice, which is basically already cooked, you just add boiling water and let it sit, and then uh, they make beans that have been cooked and then dehydrated. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're you're using a minimum of water, a minimum of fuel to cook it, and you're getting, like, awesome benefit out of it. So... Anyway, all the, all the guys that have to carry their shit with them will carry uh, dehydrated food. Yeah. Well, did you see the Did you see the latest thing? You can buy a dehydrator in a freeze dryer. Yeah, I saw that. I don't I don't Eight know much about grand. it. Eight grand. Yeah. Eight grand. But there. But apparently, it's. Um, We've got to take a quick break here. Okay. I got a phone call. All right. Okay, so we're back. Uh, sorry about that. Um, real life sometimes calls. Um, let's see. So we were thinking about we were thinking about doing a trip, or I was this Friday, but you have some other commitments. Maybe yes, the following weekend. Tomorrow Friday is uh, <laughs> my wife's birthday. Yeah. So that's kind of puts a kibosh on that. The following week. It, which is the tenth is uh, the day that my wife is becoming a Catholic. Very good. Yes. So we are now going to be warriors uh, for the Catholic Church. Very good. <laughs> so, <laughs> without without uh, going too deep into it, congratulations oh, and you. all of that. Uh, um, so that's that next weekend is out. But so we're coming up very close on ski season, and I would like to get you skiing this year. You, the offer still stands: uh, all expense paid ski trip, including a lesson <laughs> if you need it. I, but uh, I used to be quite the skier when I was young. So I just saw a movie last night on HBO. Uh, Eddie the Eagle. Eddie the Eagle. And he wanted to be in the Olympics. He was in Britain, wanted to be in the Olympics and tried a whole bunch of different things, but he just didn't have any talent at anything. No. He tried everything. Uh, But uh, Britain hadn't had a uh, 
a ski jumper since 1929, and they didn't have a ski team. <laughs> so he just up and like went to some place and uh, where they just had ski jumps, and he just started going down them over and over again, and taught himself to ski jump. And they they let him into the Olympics. Could have been no. This was like in 1982. It was the Could Canada no, it was in Germany. No, no, I mean, uh, oh, the ski jumping? Yeah. Because we have a hill in Michigan that they, that's where all the U.S. ski team jumps. Yeah. Well, I, to me, it's just crazy. But he started out on this 12-meter jump. He goes down at once and lands it, and he's like, oh, I think I'm ready for the 40-meter. <laughs> you know, like, you, just immediately. You, um, next summer, it's kind of fun to go. Kathy and I went up there in uh, Iron Mountain. There's... There's the ski hill that they that they practice on. That yeah. The U.S. ski team practices on, and you walk up the top of that thing. It is freaking scary. Yeah. I mean, obviously they use an elevator when they train, but yeah. when you're um, in the summertime, they don't train there, so you basically just get to walk up the face of it. Yeah. There's little steps on the side of it. Oh, let me tell you what. Yeah, that is not for amazing. Me. When you get up to the top and you look down, you're like, "Are you kidding me? You're gonna put yeah. skis on this and jump?" No, yeah, it's I, insanity. I have no desire to do that, but I do. <laughs> I do enjoy skiing, and that does qualify as adventure. So I would like to do a skiing podcast yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, last year, I was supposed to play drums in uh, with Johnny Rogers at the Surf Ballroom, uh, but that fell through because they had some contract where he had to use their backup band. But this year I'm supposed to be able to do it. Oh, cool. But, um, uh, so instead I went out to Utah and skied for a week. That was a lot of fun. Um, So we're coming up on ski season. It's always nice to do a winter camp out as well. And I'd I'd like to do one in deep snow and kind of talk about how to to do that. Because there's a different method. If you bring a little shovel with you, you can actually make it quite awesome. You oh, build we, a little platform we've with been, a well, a cold well and all that. We've been, uh, I've taken my kids out camping in the wintertime. Oh, this is a few years back. My youngest was probably, I think he was like 10 at the time. And my oldest yeah. was probably 15 or 16. So whatever, they're like four years apart, five years apart. And, uh... It was 22 below <laughs> at night, and it got to a whopping 14 degrees during the middle of the day. Jeez. And we were really quite comfortable. We had a lot of snow, and what we ended up doing was digging down in the snow to the, to the ground. Okay. And then all the snow that we took out of where our fire was, we threw up on the top. Yeah. So we ended up in like a hole that was fairly big. We put some uh, airlines, you know, trails to it, yeah, know, so that you could go out and get wood and do those kinds of things. But you had a little, like a little track that went out, so you had a, you had some fresh air funneling in all the time, and it made a natural uh, chimney. And the reflective power of the snow, the white snow, was pretty incredible. Yeah. And we were in a tent that was three sided. Oh, geez. So, and you know what? My kid still talks about that. That's about funny. that. About that. We, and we went there on a, we, we stayed a, a Friday and a Saturday night. So we stayed all day. We went out on Friday during the day. Stayed all day Friday, get everything set up. Saturday, basically what we did was tend to fire and eat. Yeah. You know, and do some 
I made a, that was a trip. One of the trips I made was uh, I made a fork and a spoon instead of just a spoon. <laughs> Spoons, but but it was it was actually a lot of fun, and it, and if you've never done it, um, you should really really give it a shot. I mean, yeah. there, there is uh, you know there's a lot of ways to do it and be very comfortable. I mean, now I'm kind of spoiled with my little Kifru tent. Yeah, you know, having that uh, wood stove in it. I mean, my wife even doesn't mind it at the time. Yeah, I saw I saw a backpacking cot the other day, last winter. And it was it was kind of nice because it just raised you up a little bit. You pack the snow down, and then uh-huh. you put this thing together, and it raises you up about, like, six inches off the, off the snow. Yeah. Um, was pretty cool. I, I thought that was pretty cool. So, but, but the Kifaru tent thing is, is kind of neat because you could actually make a cold well inside that tent. Yeah. You know, because there's no bottom in it. Yeah, you know you can you can fix it so that you can make a cold well and and, and put the tent over the top of that. Yeah, so w- w- I have a, a a thing on my YouTube channel. If you guys don't know what it is, it's just average Iowa guy. Where I went, uh, I I spent two weeks in this pretty intensive mountain climbing uh, course a couple years ago because of this other expedition that I'm supposed to go on. But they they had uh, seven different tents up there. And so I went through all the different tents and compared them and all this and kind of showed them on the mountain and talked about the different features. But uh, what we did was we'd have two men to a tent, and you split it up between the two of you who carries what. So you Mm -hmm. have basically equal weight. And then you have a... for. for each group of five tents, you have a shovel. So somebody's carrying a shovel. Uh, and you you basically, there's no way you're going to dig down to ground. And if you did, it's all uneven ground right, anyway. Right. So you just dig a flat shelf to set your tent on. And then you dig a well that your fly, you know, the, the vestibule. Mm-hmm. That vestibule is so that you dig a, a well so that you can sit on the edge of your tent platform with your feet in the well and you can cook in the well and do all these other sorts of mm-hmm. things. But that's uh, that's probably how I would do it because that's slick as hell if you if you have that set up. Because mm-hmm. um, it actually... And then you store your gear in that well as well. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but anyway, that's... So yeah, I want to yeah. do a winter camp out as well. And I've got uh, I've got my Tundra snowmobile with a dog sled. Nice. That's my that's my plan because you can carry a few you know a little more than you can put your snowshoes on it. You can put yeah. you, you know you can carry some stuff and be a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, I just I just like a um, an air mattress. Um, so I like the uh, Thermarest Neo Air, the green one, which is a little longer. Mm-hmm. I like that, and then I like the military sleep system. Although you can. If you want to spend five or six hundred bucks, you can get a better sleeping bag. But you know, you they, know they just really good luck with what that's. Yeah, know, it's it's to be honest. What what I've done, and I've been very very comfortable in the winter time, is I've taken a of uh, the outside bivy bag. Yeah. That system. Yeah. Which is Gore-Tex. I've taken a wool blanket, and I've taken a um, a. a Years ago, Wiggies came out with a Whoopi. 
Yeah. And, and they're a little bit thicker, but they're made of that stuff that they use in their sleeping bag, which is a really expensive sleeping bag. It's like Dacron stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, but it's high loft. It's mm-hmm. very, it works real well. And in fact, he designed the military sleep system so you can get it as a wiggy product. Oh, cool. And uh, anyway, so he, so he made these, um, and he makes like, Engine warmers for airplanes for for like the Yukon. Yeah, and he, he makes things like that, like blankets that you put over the top of your in, your engine, your plane, so that it keeps it keeps the heat in longer. Yeah, uh, when you shut it off. Anyway, so he made he thought he that these would be a great seller, and so he made um, whoobies out of them, which is a whoobie is a poncho liner. Yeah, basically. Okay, and if you were in the military, you know that a poncho liner that they give you is fairly thin. Um, and it's more of a security blanket than anything yeah, else. Yeah, they are warm, but they're not that warm. Right. They're too small. Right, yeah. exactly. So he made these out of this really good material. And so I saw I saw them, and they were selling them for like $79 or something like that. <laughs> well, apparently they didn't, nobody wanted to pay $79 for one that you could buy an army surplus for 10 and so he closed them all out, and he sold them for fifteen bucks a piece, which was probably his cost, or maybe he made a little bit on my yeah. own. But I bought like a dozen of them. Yeah. And of course, I brought them home. You know, I got them unpackaged them, and my wife was like, "What the hell?" Because they're like woodland camo, and the other one is down, the, old, the old desert camo. Camera. Yeah. He said, what the hell are you going to do with all those? And I'm like, you know, I'm going to fold them up, put them in a car, because they're a little bit clunkier than the than the original uh, poncho liner. A little thicker. They're, they probably weigh, a, like, ounces more, but it's but it's more bulky than anything else. Yeah. So all of our cars have them in them, all of our, you know. Well, I threw one on the couch one time, and um, she... Warmed up to it really quick when she gets <laughs> yeah. like, like a like a couch blanket. Yeah, you know? and she's like, you know, I really do like these things. If they weren't camouflage, I'd be really yeah. loving them. But uh, yeah. but but I I've used one of those woobies and uh, a wool blanket inside that bivy and was really quite comfortable. Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, the military sleep system it's an outer shell made of Gore-Tex and then a black bag. And then a green bag. So it's a bag inside of a bag inside of a bag. If you just have the green one, you're pretty much good for, you know, 60 and above, I'd say. Just the black one alone, it's probably 20 degrees and above. Because when I went to the mountains, all I took was that black bag mm-hmm. and it was toasty warm. Mm-hmm. And then if you use all three, it's supposedly down to, like, minus 20 or whatever. Yeah, and you when you put them together, it's very difficult to get in and out of them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're, you're, you're like a bug in a rug in there. But um, anyway, like a few years ago, they switched camo patterns. So the ones that I have are all Woodlands camo outers. And then so all the brand-new Woodlands camo ones that the military had sitting around, they just put them up for surplus, yep. and so I, I bought five of them for, like, nothing. Yeah, yeah, they were really Whereas, good prices, and, and that's as good a sleeping bag as you yeah. buy. Yeah, it's, it's good. Now, the, the criticism I would have is that it's very, very bulky. Yeah. Um, so backpacking, you're probably not going to bring that whole but, system with you. But the bivy bag and a green bag is not that bulky. 
That's not so bad. Yeah, you know, you can you can yep. actually be fairly comfortable with with a um, with a sleeping bag, the bivy, and a green bag. And then if or, you, and the bivy the bivy is good with any bag. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you don't need to whatever. use the complete system. If you had a different bag that you wanted to put in there, yeah, you're fine. You, you're, you'd be fine and just use well, that bivy bag. So the the deal with the um, you. You have to spend buku buku bucks to get a bag that packs up smaller and has the same amount of um, insulating value. Mm-hmm. So for the money, it's as good as, especially if you right, can get not, it cheap. No matter what you put on the outside, the 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 bivy bag that you buy to spend a lot of money for, I don't think that's going to be any smaller. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, it, well, they're, you know, they're built. Those bags are literally built that you can sleep in a water puddle. Yeah, with your system. Well, and, and then you know the bags that I'm talking about that are high dollar bags are all down bags mm-hmm. that if it gets wet, you're hosed. Yeah, you know, so you end up you end up packing it in a trash compactor bag inside of your pack anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, so the sleeping. Um, Sleeping stuff, so that's that's quite a bit of like outdoors type stuff. Do you want to give people the warning about the political content? I tell you, the political content is going to be probably pretty full right now because well, so okay, so let's give people a warning. So really, primarily, this podcast is supposed to be about uh, doing fun stuff, adventurous stuff. So the first episode, we went and raced in the gumball rally. So it can be stupid stuff like that. It can be outdoor stuff. Yeah. It can be skiing. Yeah. You know, whatever, whatever trips your trigger, it's adventuresome. That's kind of what it's supposed to be about. And then occasionally we will talk a little bit about politics. But I like to give people a warning because sometimes you just don't want to hear it. And so here's your warning. We are now going to talk about some politics. <laughs> okay, go. It's pretty simple. Obviously, uh, Hillary got the hammer dropped on her, and uh, she's crying like a little baby. Have you seen the uh, Have you seen the latest uh, the this? You know how? Um, have you seen the latest liberal symbol? No. Okay. So you know how like the cancer people have a ribbon, yeah, yeah, and yellow for you know our, you know support our troops and blue for whatever. I mean, there's all different kinds of ribbons. Well, the liberals have adopted a diaper pin. Oh, jeez! I kid you not, not for real. No, seriously, seriously, they have. You so if you see it, if you see somebody wearing a diaper pin, means it's 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 a safe place and you don't have to worry about being judged for. Who you voted for, what you voted for, unless you voted for somebody that they didn't vote for. Yeah, in which case you're you're going to hear cry at everybody. So, so so I I was I was laughing. I was like, "Are you serious? A diaper pin?" But I don't know. You know the the thing is that the Democrats have not gotten a handle on the fact that they were. Basically, eighty. What I heard a number today: eighty-three percent of the of the property 
people who own, you know, 83% of the country actually voted against Hillary. Yeah. It was it's something like 2,000 precincts to 500. Yeah. In the, in the or well, if you look at the number, it's a map broken down by county. It's, it's the country is a huge red mass. Yeah, and and I think that that's the um, you know the, the the handful of people that live in the city that are delusional is in college towns. In college towns, well, actually, Michigan, yeah, yeah, the three college towns. Or were, were the biggies. Yeah, Marquette, and then the other two big places, and then Wayne County. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm not, so, people, I'm not going to tell you who I voted for. Uh, and, I voted uh, for, what's her name, the Green Party lady. Oh, Jill Stein. Yeah. I was talking to a lady today that was a big uh, Sanders supporter. And uh, she was voted for Jill Stein out of spite. <laughs> and she was dancing. Well, you know, shit. she she called for a recall in our state. It's going to cost us five million dollars. Yeah, but she asked. Well, and she's so, going to pay seven hundred thousand. Okay, and so just so people know, the the reason she called for a recount in Michigan is there were eighty four about eighty four thousand ballots that came in with no vote for president. Well, that doesn't mean that they didn't vote for president, although some of them probably just said, I'm not even going to vote right now. There was a lot of, there was actually a lot of it's, the movement that didn't vote for But it's, 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 what it is, is write-ins. Yeah. And unless you register as a write-in candidate, there were six or seven registered candidates that all got votes. Oh, and but people that but voted Bernie, for Bernie Sanders didn't register as a write-in candidate right. in the state. Right. So what they're going to do is they're going to count all of those ballots and they're going to see that, you know, however many thousand wrote in Bernie Sanders. Well, well, the ridiculousness of the whole thing is, how does this help Jill Stein? It doesn't. So think, somebody else is ponying up the cash for her to do this. Well, she did a, I think she did like whatever the political version of a Kickstarter campaign is to get the money to do the recount. But, she, but see, the thing is, is that... She had to get 1% of the vote to be allowed a future position on the It was yeah, five. Or whatever the number yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Was it 5%? Yeah, and she got... Well, that's what this lady was telling was me today. Is the reason... The reason... Well, she thinks that the reason they're recounting it is is she thinks a lot more people voted for Stein than showed up, which is BS. Okay, so let me tell you about what it is to vote in Michigan. Uh, you, you show up... And at every precinct, there's going to be Democrats and Republicans overseeing the election. You have to show uh, an ID, mm -hmm. and everybody there has to agree that it's a valid ID, right. and you are who you said you are, and that you have a right to vote in that precinct. And they have a list. And they have a list, and it's all cross-checked, right? Then you were handed a paper ballot. And, and and it's a it's one of these old scanner type things where you darken it in with yep. whatever, but they still have the paper ballot there. Right. So if you're gonna and the, and the machines are not hooked up to the internet. No, it's like an old school machine that yep. has a, a power plug and that's it. Yeah, yeah. There's you know, no internet inter interference. There's I, no I, nothing. And I just do not understand how it's going to be possible to rig a vote. You might you might get well, away with the, a little bit in what, Michigan, but not very much. What they much. were saying was that's why it took so long in uh, one of the counties downstate was they were saying that they were adding more 
balance, more paper balance, because there's no there's numbers. Well, see, and they're cross checked though. Yeah, because they're they're serial numbered. Yep, and the and that's a serial number. And those ballots are serial numbered back to you. Yeah. Yep. It's it's checked. You, when you get your thing, they hand you a ballot, and that's all. Recorded. Well, yeah, but they rip that. Yeah, they can't actually say that this ballot belongs to you. Yeah, because they, they rip off that before they put it in the before they put it in the machine. They rip off the top of it, the perforated section of it that has that number on it. Yeah. So they show that your ballot went into the machine. That's how they do it. Yeah. And then once the ballots go in the machine, they can't say that that Kyle voted for this guy. Yeah, yeah. But they know that Kyle voted because there's they have their receipt yeah. in their hand that's, yeah. that's comes off of that ticket. Yeah. So supposedly not one of those things could go into the machine without that tab being ripped off and recorded. And that number is cross-checked against your yeah your your voter registration yeah and so it, it, it and so let's say you go to the polls and they contest it you can still vote but it's a provisional ballot that, right. that will be checked before it's actually right. counted but the second the second part of this is whatever she hopes to gain by that additional. Whatever, how many votes there are. It's not enough. It's not enough for, to help her do anything because no. she's already got enough votes to be on the ballot in the future. The Green Party already has enough votes to be on the ballot in the future, regardless of what happened. She's in already there. She's already hit well, that threshold. Mm, I don't think she has. I, I, I think, think it's 1% and she got 1.5%. I think well, at any rate, yeah, the, the lady today, and, and again, I haven't checked any of this. I'm yeah. just going by one of her big fan. But I think I think what the deal is, is they think that there's going to be enough votes to change the outcome between Hillary and Donald. Because you're talking about 10,000. Mm, they're yeah, separated no. by 10,000 votes. Donald won by 10,000 votes. Happen. And they're talking about 20,000 ballots, right? That are uh, 20,000 people didn't vote for 84,000. But it's the, the thing is, it'll never happen. The the um, I, I saw a breakdown of it today, and uh, uh, at, even in Florida, it was only a few hundred votes that got changed. Mm -hmm. And every newspaper, every liberal, blah blah blah, was went in from, there with Trump and uh, no, with, this was uh, uh, Al Gore and. And what's his face? And every every source in the world went in there and used all these different things and tried to count them different ways. They could never come up that with where Gore won. In order for Michigan to switch, it would have to be ten times that proportionally ten times as many votes switch. Right. Uh, that's just in Michigan. In in places, in, in the other places, it's even more. It's right. like some, I don't want to quote a figure, but there's a, there's a 22,000 vote difference in Wisconsin, there's a 10,000 vote difference in Michigan, and there's like 60,000 in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. it's, and she would have to win all three. Yeah, and, and she's already conceded. Right. You know, the wheels are already in motion. It's not going to happen. Right. So I think they're just doing it. So she can remain, number one, remain relevant for just a little bit longer, have her name in the press just a little bit longer. And number two, uh, there's a lot of Hillary fans that are blaming her for stealing votes away from Hillary. And so she's trying to, like, you know, take a little bit, a little bit of that stink off. But, but see, I don't even think that that would have made a difference. I don't so think she had enough numbers... 
to make a difference. Mm-hmm. She did in some places, did I she? think. Yeah, I think I think if all of those people would have just voted for Hillary, she would have been a lot better off. And then all the people that wrote in Bernie. But see, that's even saying that's even even trying to say that they would have voted for her. if they didn't have Bernie, if they didn't have her. Who would they have voted for? They might not have voted for anybody, or they might have voted for Donald. Yeah, I mean, Donald was democratic enough in the past that yeah. that anybody that didn't like Hillary, no matter what was going to happen, I don't care the staunchest Democrat if they had any inkling of patriotism in their bones, meaning like the UAW people, yeah, like like a lot of the working class people that were always voting Democrat, though they lost them. Yeah, I mean that was that was what turned the election. It wasn't anything. You know, it wasn't the people that are just like, oh my God, Hillary is going to be president. This was a, this was a group of people that had been voting Democrat their whole life. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden they. That's why they didn't even campaign much in Michigan. Yeah, they 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 totally biffed campaigning in rural areas. Right, they thought that any they, rural area. Yeah, they, they just thought, campaigned in cities, and they figured they'd get enough in cities to to overwhelm and, everybody. And you else. know the the, the 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 funny part about it through the whole thing, I kept saying. Man, you look at Trump's rallies, and he's got he's got thirty thousand people showing up at two o'clock in the morning to to hear him speak. And with Hillary, you got like a thousand, maybe five hundred at the most. At the most, yeah. I mean, you know. And, and these are last minute rallies that he called. Yeah, that people are going to I mean, be calling to Michigan. He came he came to Michigan uh, outside of Grand Rapids. And it was like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, announced it like earlier that day. That day, and had thirty thousand like, people. Yeah, just showed up in the middle of the night, and all those people are going to call in sick the next day. And, had, and had no issue. You know, as yeah. when I started seeing that kind of behavior, I knew that there was something up. Yeah. What, what I'm finding totally interesting right now is how he's pushing ahead with his cabinet way faster than anybody else yeah, has so ever done it. We we got to we got to get we got to get to that. But just one more thing about the vote and that's that um, what's unusual here is that a, a huge number of people who voted for Obama twice voted for Trump. Right. Number 1. Right. And a huge number of the Bernie voters voted for Trump to spite Hillary right. because Hillary, because of all the shenanigans well, they pulled you know, during the primary. I, mean, it's, I don't even know. I mean, except for the fact that Bernie got a six million dollar house out of the deal, I don't know. Six hundred thousand. Six hundred thousand dollar third house. Oh, okay. But it, it's it again. It was a sweetheart deal because six hundred thousand dollars is not buying you beachfront property anywhere. Right. Right. Especially some big mansion like he got. Right. But, but anyway, well, it, when you. Think Think about it, and you think about the what the Bernie Sanders people were all about, and here they basically threw him under the bus. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how you, I don't know how you look at that as any other thing other than getting thrown under the bus. Well, so most of those people, well, a significant number of them either voted for Jill Stein or Donald Trump. Yeah. Now some of them got into line and voted for Hillary, and some of them. Just didn't vote, right? You know, I would say a lot of them didn't. Probably didn't vote, but although I don't know, you still had big turnouts. You had people voting that had never voted before. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a big that was a big thing too. That I think that nobody saw coming. I think people okay. are genuinely tired, yeah, of of whatever was going to get tossed up there because you know we've watched for the past eight years bureaucracies, government just grow and grow and grow. We've lost. We watched our jobs go everywhere else mm-hmm. for for valid reasons. 
I mean, if you're a, if you're a big corporation and your your responsibility is to stockholders to make money, turn a profit, and the and the U.S. government is freaking slipping you the hot dog and, and, every, and giving you every incentive to, to get out of the state, yeah. what are you going to do? You're, right. you're, you're stupid to not. Right. So so let's go back and because. You're in business to make money. Oh. I, I'm in business to provide for my family and mm-hmm. make money, period. Mm-hmm. I'm not in business to give you a job. All right. And now I know everybody thinks that I'm in business to give them a job. I am not. Right. I'm in business to, to provide for myself and my family, yep. period. End of discussion. Yep. You know, and that's that's the way these guys look at it too. Well, so let's go back and relive election night. Oh. Okay, so <laughs> it's like eight o'clock. We're, I'm sitting on my couch eating my hamburger, watching um, the news, and everything is like, oh, Hillary, this is going to be a great moment for Hillary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine o'clock comes around, and like Everybody's the tone changes, stops, and finally at ten thirty, I went to bed, and it was like. A whole bunch of states had broke for Trump, and like it was pretty clear that it was like a night. It was going to go that way. Yeah. It was interesting to watch. I mean, I stayed awake for the whole thing. I, I don't know how I did it because it was a period of time when nothing happened for like ninety minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you'd, you'd wait at you'd wait, and like it'd be like. Uh, 59 minutes until the next. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, ah, oh, shit, I'll stay up for the next seven yeah. states, you know. Well, it was it was interesting because it was interesting to watch the commentators' jaws drop. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was switching between. I was watching, trying to get up as many as I could. I was watching um, uh, CBS and and uh, ABC. And CNN, and then I would go to Fox News. Mm-hmm. And even there was commentators on Fox News that were like, what in the world? Donald Trump could actually win this. Yeah. Like, they were surprised, like they knew it was all in the bag. Well, if you looked at the at the poll numbers, and this was, this was fascinating to me. I mean, I subscribe to the, to the belief that the pollers... Are, can be wrong all the way through as yeah. long as in the last week they come close. Yeah. And if you look at what happened with the with this the whole time, they were off. They had what's her name ahead the whole time. She was ahead the whole way. There was I don't think there was a period of time when Donald was in front ever. Um, I think that the, you know everything that seemed to be going wrong for him was being reflected in the polls and. And the Trump supporters never wavered. They never left. They stayed through the whole thing, through the thick and the thin of it. And if you looked at, if you looked at these polls as it was getting closer and closer and closer, the numbers never really closed between the two of them. They never reflected what the vote was going to turn out as. Yeah. And and um, usually what they'll do is if the polls want to if they want to swing something they'll ask they'll they'll run their polls a certain way so that their candidate actually looks like they're in front the whole way until the very end and then if it looks like it's going to be close they'll close the gap right up yeah so they have some credibility so, they have, so basically what you're describing is the weaponizing of the polls yeah yeah because okay so you've sold some things before oh yeah there, there are a couple things that will help you sell something. Number one, you say, "Oh, this is the last one of these. I, you know, I don't have any more of these." Right. So scarcity. 
The other thing is popularity. Oh, everybody wants one of these. This yep. is the greatest uh, yep. pen yep. in the whole world. It's the best-selling pen ever. And so you make it look like everybody is going to vote for yep. your candidate. And so either, either one or two things happens. Either people, Republicans, get disenfranchised and they stay home, or your opponent stays home. Yeah. It doesn't even go out because, you know, it's pointless because there's already 10 points difference. I mean, it's like my kid. Uh, was a registered voter. My kid and his wife are registered voter in Atlanta, in Georgia. And I said, "Well, aren't you going to go home and vote?" And he said, "You know what?" He said, "No matter what I do, it's not going to change it. Georgia's a red state. Yeah. He said it'll never change. No matter what happens, it'll never change." He said, "So I'm not going to, I'm not going to bust my, ruin my vacation and go home to vote because yeah. no, there's no sense in it." He said, and "Besides that, locally, I'm not going to live there." He said, so I, I really not worried about it. Well, so I'm watching this whole thing, and up to the election night, she was still in front by 10 points in a lot of polls. Yeah. You know, and they're looking at it going, I mean, you look like it's going to be a, you know, just landslide. Landslide. Just don't even bother to vote. And, and that's what they're counting on. And, and, and boy, I tell you what, it did not turn out that way. But I think a couple things caused that. Not so much that I don't think that the pollsters were still trying to do that toward the end. I think that they really believed she was up by at least five. Yeah. I think what what happened was Donald Trump voters didn't answer the phone. Yeah. Donald Trump voters did not participate in a lot of the polls. I think that that was more likely what happened than anything, and they were able to. And then there was a lot of likely voters that were new voters mm-hmm. to this to this term. You know, not necessarily young voters, but people that have been, you know, had been registered to vote or just registered to vote. <laughs> and uh, and they were they were motivated to go out and vote because they were freaking losing their jobs left yeah. and right. They were all of a sudden they can't they just got hit. I mean, the, to me, it was like the perfect storm for a Republican. You had Obamacare, which not one Republican voted for. They just announced the, the increases that were going to happen because yeah. you sign up in the fall. Yeah. And, and I mean, like our health care, our deductible on the policy that we had went from $2,000 a year to $10,000 a year. Yeah. And we have really good insurance. Yeah. So, And I'm thinking, well, if you had a shitty insurance policy and you already had the $15,000 deductible, it went to thirty. Yeah. You know, And so you got, my, you know, John Q. Public, UAW owner or UAW member, worker class person saying, what? WTF? Yeah. What the hell? How am I going to afford this next year? Yeah. You know, I don't care what the... Everything that Obama said for the past eight years was a lie. And it culminated right there in September. So so I I went to bed at 10.30. I figured he was going to win, but there's always uncertainty, right? Right, right. So I wake up the next morning, check my phone, and this is on my phone. That's how I knew that Trump won. So somebody, I'm not going to say who, some terrible person sent me a picture of some kids dancing with very little clothing on, and they have happy looks on their face, and it says, Clinton t-shirts arrive tomorrow. Yeah, that's the... And that's how I knew that Trump won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a... Um, 
Uh, and so I posted it on my Facebook, and people went category oh, yeah. five, category five meltdown. When well, it's, I posted it's, that. it's comical because uh, everything that well, the fa- one of the fascinating things about this whole election cycle has been. Donald Trump has been the underdog the whole way. Yeah. The absolutely hands down whole way. And if you look at if you look at how this all thing this washed out, it would it should have been theoretically a Bernie um, Trump race. We probably could have ended up with Bernie. Yeah. Because a lot of Democrats would have not voted for for Trump. Yeah. Because of the freebies that was going out. I mean you you Hillary had such a credibility problem. Um, I mean, Bernie Sanders is just crazy. I yeah. mean, just, just, you can't give enough shit away. We don't make enough money to give up everybody what what he wanted. Yeah. I mean, it was just insane. If you have enough money in the world, no, to there's enough money in the world to live in poverty. Yeah, like in Cuba. Yeah. Uh, and and then a few elites get all of the spoils. Yep, yep. Uh, but there's not, there's just not enough money yep. in the world. And there's a there's a pretty good documentary on HBO right now about what it's like to actually live in Cuba. Yeah. And people should watch that. Yeah, it's really unpleasant. Well, anyway, so so to wrap up, let's look at what has happened since. So that day, that day or the next day, it was one of those days. I, Apple announces that the iPhone is going to be made in the U.S. And Ford announces, oh, yeah, we're not moving that plant to Mexico. Right. And, and so then Carrier. Well, and then that was like yesterday or the yeah. day before, Carrier decided they weren't going to move they their, plant. their plant. Right. And so, like, immediately. And then, and then the other thing that happens is they're like, oh, you know, world markets are going to crash and all this. World markets went crazy. It went through and, the roof. Right. And the reason is, is like, if you remember when Obama took over, he was very, very anti-business. Like, he was sm- trashing all these guys. You see, arrows make too much money. The, you know, they take these uh, million-dollar retreats for the corporation to Las Vegas. You know, we got to put a stop to that. And then, so guess what happens? Las Vegas craters... And all of these businesses say, okay, you don't want me to invest and do this. I'm not going to do it. At the same time, you're seeing his administration going on these junkets to Las Vegas that are costing millions of dollars. Yeah, they remember the IRS and all that. Yeah, remember the guy in the bathtub with the wine glass? Yeah, well, but so so the thing is, is like the whole climate changed overnight. Yeah, there was an optimism about, hey, we're going to be able to do business again. At least for four years, we're going to be able to make some money. Let's do this. Yeah. And well, so the stock market, you know the stock market, the stock market exploded. Yeah, it went uh, to nineteen thousand. Yeah, and and like uh, hiring is up. Uh, you, you know, places are starting to put money back into the economy again because yep. they know that at least for four years there's going to be a business-friendly climate. Whereas before, like, it was very business well, remember, remember me saying, um, and, and I've been saying this for eons, it's not the bloodless revolution. Yeah. We are neck deep right now in the bloodless revolution of we're taking our country back because we're just tired of this bullshit. We're tired we're tired of the LTBG, HPO, one uh, percent of the population ruling the rest of us how we how we act and how we do business every day. Okay. And-
people, um, uh, that is Jim talking. I did not officially well, weigh in on that subject. <laughs> I can see where Jim I, is coming from, but these are Jim's opinions. Yep, they are not necessarily one hundred percent my opinions. And you know what? I'm not. I'm not a prejudiced guy. I am not. You know, I'm not that guy. All I'm saying is that this should not be on the four step of everybody's the topic on everybody's the tip of their tongue all the time. It, it just doesn't make any sense to to add to have that ninety percent of our efforts worrying about a small fraction of a percent of people. I mean, I, I love people, all people, right? But it's, but you know, there's got to be some. There's so like they they just went so so the other the other angle to this, and I don't know how into the into the different things you are, but there's a basically millennials and a lot of people log on to Reddit mm-hmm. and you kind of look on Reddit and you find out what because you'll literally find out stuff days before the media has an article about mm-hmm. it, right? And so on Reddit, uh, the big the big sub forum there or subreddit is the Donald. And if you found if you watched that forum, you would know stuff days before everybody else did. And so the other thing they did was every time there was a WikiLeaks dump, these people are autistic. They would assign like certain batches of emails to certain people and everybody'd go through it and then they would find the meat and post it on there and then like a couple days later the media would pick up on it and run stories on it. That was so, an interesting the whole WikiLeaks thing was was quite interesting. I, uh, I I was intrigued with with how that all played out. Um, I think there's still more coming out. Yeah. I think you know I've heard some stuff today that was quite disturbing about child molestation. Yeah, that's okay. So what Jim is not sure at, all of that right, true. Well, let's not let's not add to that. Um, that is what Jim is talking about. Is he probably came across something called PizzaGate, mm-hmm. which I think is BS. Honestly, I think it probably is all BS. But anyway, that was a, a subreddit uh, that actually the Donald people came up. They went through the WikiLeaks emails and found all of these weird coincidences about this one pizza place and child porn and all this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's just people looking for something that's not there. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what Jim is talking about. Well, they're trying to claim that somehow or another Anthony Weiner is involved in this. Well, okay, so here's the we should probably close with this. This is so the beautiful irony. Yeah. <laughs> guess guess who married Anthony Weiner and Huma Abedin? Bill Clinton. He married him? He was the officiating person. He married them. And it turns out Anthony Weiner brought down the... Basically, that was one of the final nails in the coffin was his kitty porn stuff. It was... It was... It was Like I said, this has been an intriguing... Uh, the only thing that would have made this more intriguing is if we find out that they're all aliens. Yeah, I, you, you could start that rumor. You you literally could not write a more crazy election than we just no, went. Through. No, but I think the level of corruption. If you look at people have written about it as in fiction. When you look at shows like The West Wing, yeah, but they don't come anywhere close to what just happened. If you wrote a story like what just happened, where you have Donald Trump 
Well, I uh, think if you if you watch, if you, uh, you know, writing on Twitter, writing this stuff, and well, like literally controlling the news listen, media for one of the things days that, at a one time. of the things that is also very intriguing is Donald is a smart cookie. He like, is not a dummy. None, he is none very of this was savvy. by accident, people. He is very savvy when it comes to media. If you notice, he controlled the media cycles through the whole election. Yeah. I mean, he literally... And, and they knew he was controlling them. And they, he, they could, it was like, it was like yeah. um, uh, uh, looking at the sun. They, <laughs> they could not stop. look away. They could not... <laughs> he had a, and he's still doing it. I mean, I he is still doing it. Well, so they, were, they were bagging on him for his cabinet picks, so he, he tweeted out... Uh, that he thinks that th- millions of people... He doesn't think any of this. <laughs> but he tweeted out that he thinks millions of people voted illegally in the election. And it, that's literally been a week of coverage <laughs> over that one tweet. It took him literally 30 seconds to write this thing to change the subject. And they bit it. And they knew they were biting it, but they bit it anyway. They, yep. couldn't, they couldn't help themselves. Yep. It is, it's the it's, greatest it's, thing it's, ever. It is interesting as hell. And it's... Uh, and now they're all they're all hammering on him now because he's a businessman. He's exactly the oh, reason yeah. why we voted for him because he's a businessman. Well, right. he's, and so so before the election, their big thing was, was like, well, he's not really that good of a businessman. He's gone bankrupt four times and blah blah blah. And he doesn't have near as much wealth as he says he does, and not near that many companies. Well, now their line is. His foot is in everything. He's got he's got buildings and corporations all over the world. Literally anything he does as president could benefit him. You know, so so they totally they totally flip flop. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's the it greatest is, thing ever. It is, it is really funny, and you know what? I want him to be successful. Me too. You know, I mean that's the key. It's and I think that even people that were reluctant Republicans that voted for him are now starting to see, hey, you know what? This isn't so bad. Well, I know. And and, and here's the thing, like I mean it's look at the victories of people. Yeah, look at the victories that he's had already. Just just leave everything else out of it and look at Apple making iPhones in the US, Ford not moving. He said he would do this and Obama there was a clip on uh, on the radio today, Obama saying, What do you think you're gonna do? You think you're just gonna call him? Then what are you gonna do? You can't do it. You you can't blah blah blah. You ask him what how he's going to do it. He doesn't have an answer. And then they played like guys from the factory, like oh, Mr. Trump. Uh, so thank you so much for taking your holiday and, and being apart from your family <laughs> and the ghost. And literally, it was Trump called Carrier, and two days later, Carrier was announcing, "Yeah, yeah we're not going to move stuff out of the country." Yeah. I guess they're. I guess they're. Uh, they had some kind. Of, I guess the wheels were already in motion. So, yeah. so they're just not going to close the plant here. They're going to keep a thousand jobs here, and they're going to move a thousand jobs to Mexico. But you watch what's going to end up happening is in a short period of time they're going to give up their investment in Mexico and come back. Yeah, they they got. A, I mean, they've already spent a significant mm-hmm. amount of money down there, so they have to get some of that investment back. Right. And that's understandable. Right. But, um, the. The thing is, is what would really be a coup is if he could figure out a way, like a tax amnesty. If you have money parked overseas and you bring that back, you would have been charged 35%. We're going to charge you 10. You have 30 days to do it. Yeah. Well, I think, and can I, you I imagine think, the trillions of dollars well, that are yeah, parked overseas? I think overseas. Gonna happen, he says he's going to revamp the tax code. Herman Cain had a... Uh, I don't remember if it was nine 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 or eleven 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 or something. It was some catchy number like that. Yeah. That he had 
And, and I think you're going to see something like that come out of the, and the IRS is going to be basically almost dismantled. Because what, what these plans that they're talking about are pretty, they're so simple that it doesn't matter what, you know, it's like the, it's like the joke, how much did you make? Give me half. You know, that, yeah, you know, something like that is going to happen where there, where there's not going to be, there's not going to be any way to cheat. I mean, you, you have this much money, this is what the number that you got to pay. Everybody across the board is going to pay the same thing. Doesn't matter if you're a corporation, if you're a individual, if you're, there's going to be no, and there's going to be no credits. There's going to be no, you know, there's yeah. going to be no, none it, of the It'll be, it'll be hard for them to get all of that done. But I, I think the, See, I the think main thing is, is that there's a pro, regardless of whether he does anything, it, it is clear that the administration is pro-business. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that that right there will do wonders. And everybody for should company. be happy about that. Yeah. I mean, everybody in the in the do country. You, do you have a job? Right. You should be happy that the business is going to grow. Right. That's because right. you'll get more money. And did you see? Did you see what the fifteen dollar an hour uh, um, minimum wage in California prompted? $30,000 fry cooks. <laughs> they buy a fry robot. McDonald's, McDonald's has now a, they just opened up their first stores that have complete ordering on a keyboard. So you don't even have to talk to anybody. Yeah. You, you basically swipe your card. Yeah, and you, you spend $35,000 on a fry cook robot mm -hmm. that never calls in sick, never has, is smoking pot in the back of the restaurant. Never have to worry about them having health cards. Yeah, never has turnover, never has... Never know, has to be retrained. Right, and can work 24 hours a day. <laughs> That's right. And, Welcome and, to the real world. Yeah, it's like, you know, we'd like to employ you, but, like, if you're going to be a shithead, yep. you, you, yep. you know... I'm in business to make money. I'm sorry. I am. I'm here to make money for my family because I have to eat. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of. I'm not here to give you a job. I remember the days when high school kids worked at McDonald's. Yeah. These were not adults, and that was the only fucking job that they could find. No. Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, these were high school kids. Well, and hopefully, you know, and that and that got a lot hot. You could probably be smart enough to do something else. Well, and that, that got a lot worse in the last eight years. Oh, because yeah. Because it was oh. a very business-unfriendly climate. Well, everybody's gone. Yeah. Any good job is gone. Unless you have your own business. I think it'll pick back up. You know? I, I'm hopeful that it'll pick back up. Um, you know, Trump can be a bit of a wild card. But I think that what people don't understand is he's highly competitive. Yeah. And if, if I'm thinking like Donald Trump, I want to be the best president ever. Oh, yeah. And so I'm not going to do stupid shit and undermine my legacy. Yeah. Yep. You know, so I think that that is... Well, he's got, he's I, got young not, kids, too. Right, and I'm not 100%. You know, like I said, I'm not going to tell you who I voted for. I'll tell you I'm not 100% thrilled with how things turned out. But I'm hopeful... And it's I'd much rather have him than Hillary, and yeah. those were your two choices. Yeah. Now, see, I've been a Trump supporter since the beginning, and I could I I was only because I followed his career. I mean, I remember I remember when the big stink was Ivana Trump wanted to turn the yacht around, and it cost thirty thousand dollars to turn the yacht. 
<laughs> I remember when that made the headlines, and everybody was like, oh, $30,000 to turn the yacht around. You know, and, and I remember that very plainly, yeah. like it was yesterday. And uh, um, so I, I followed a lot of the stuff that he's done over the period of time, and he's, he's always been very well liked. And I, from the beginning, I always thought it was really kind of weird that they were attacking him the way we, I mean, he was... Five years ago, he was like the golden child. He had like 16 years of like a number one TV show. Yeah. You know, and everybody loved him. He was like everybody's darling. Yeah, he was yeah. donating money to all of the, the you know, I mean, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're a dick. All of a sudden you're like the well, worst person that ever walked the face well, of the Well, this is, this is my point is, is that they, no matter who they, everybody's like, if we'd only not chosen Trump, they wouldn't have all this ammo. That's bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And because they, they, no matter who it is, they're going to paint the Republican candidate out to be this monster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and Trump was clever enough that he just spewed everything constantly. And he just overwhelmed their filters. Yeah, yeah. So, so that by the time the end of the election came around and he got caught on tape saying that naughty thing that all men say eventually, <laughs> his quote-unquote locker room talk, uh, people were so overwhelmed with everything else he'd said, they're like, yeah, so what? Yeah, who I mean, cares? come on, stop being a butthead. Who cares? He's going to go to the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk about a shovel-ready job. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's not like it's... Okay, they voted in two, 2006 to build a wall. Yeah, exactly! And Democrats <laughs> voted for that. <laughs> and the money's appropriated yeah. already. But and it, you know how hard it is to say, you know... Anything can get Mexico to pay it. I mean, all you have to do is say, you know, do some trade. So a huge, uh, yeah, a huge part. Here's how Trump is going to do it. I would predict a huge part of Mexico's economy is remittances back, electronic remittances. So you see all these places like uh, little shops that have like yeah, Western Union and all these places. What they do is they go and they put money in the Western Union and they wire it back to Mexico. Right. Because they can't, like, walk back $100 bills. Right. Because some border agent will probably confiscate it or some other Mexican will steal it from them. You know, I worked at Gala in Texas, and uh, one of the things that we had to do was be there when payroll was handed out because they literally handed out cash. Yeah. I mean, it was not like they wrote paychecks to somebody. Right. But but so the the point being, convenience-wise, they wire it back, Mm -hmm. and then their family picks it up. All you have to do is say there's a 35% tax on wire transfers across the U.S.-Mexico border. Mm-hmm. If they say that, that, that's a huge chunk of their economy. That's a massive portion of the Mexican, Mexican economy. If you say either pay to build the wall or we're going to take 35% of the money yeah, coming in. You know what's interesting? What choice do you think they're going to take? I can't understand why Mexico has such a hard time besides being corrupt. Has such well, a hard time with their with their economy because literally they have some of the most beautiful places. They have they land. have all of the they have a, a people that wants to work hard. They have a people that is by and large very very moral. Mm-hmm. They basically have a Protestant work ethic and mm-hmm. a, a, the Catholic work ethic. Mm-hmm. The people are fine. Mm-hmm. They have all of the tools they need. They're smart people. They're very hardworking. They're very determined. The structures governmentally are just not in place for them. There is nothing wrong with them culturally. They have all they need. They just need a better government. Could be and the 51st state, and we would well, all be better off. Mm, mm, 
<laughs> we have too many states that it is. We, I, I had to laugh. Did you see that, that California wants to secede? Yeah, we're so so somebody was typing off on Facebook like the day after one of my California friends, and I typed. Uh, let me see how many words is that. I typed uh, seven words, and he shut up. <laughs> Where are you going to get water? <laughs> End of discussion. End of discussion. I said, I said hey, Leo, just uh, take out the wall and go up the Mexican border. And yeah, well, the, the day after, let's say, so the day after, uh, all of the water flowing from the United States into California, the spigot gets stopped. Well, you know what else I thought was... Number two... The next day, Mexico invades them because Mexico considers that their their right. territory. Well, you know what historically it was. me up was uh, all these people that were saying that they were going to secede. And they said, "No, you can go to Canada. You can go to Mexico. You leave the real estate. <laughs> <laughs> the real estate isn't yours." <laughs> well, and then then the the crazy thing too. Um, all these people that said they were going to go to Canada, and the, the the funniest point I saw about all of that is like. Why Canada? Why not Mexico? Yeah. <laughs> what are you raising? Speaking, speaking of Canada, you see the other thing that's blowing up the internet right now? What? With uh, Trudeau and oh, Fidel? Yeah. <laughs> and there's a, yeah, there's all this crazy conspiracy stuff going you, on. I mean, when you look at the pictures, though, yeah, I saw I some, I saw some uh, uh, facial recognition software that put Pierre Trudeau, Trudeau as... Like a forty percent chance of being his father, and Fidel like a seventy percent chance of being his father. Because <laughs> there's images of her, of his, of uh, his mom and Fidel before he was born. That's hanging awesome. out together. Yeah, like nine months before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny. I laugh. Yeah. I mean, when you read some of this stuff, you're going. Okay, so I know that this is probably not true. Well, it's it's, but it could trolling. be true. It's people trolling. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's one of the things that Donald Trump subreddit. They just troll people so freaking hard on there. I mean, it, it is funnier than hell to read. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we should probably wrap it up. Hopefully, yeah. we didn't make too many people mad. I don't no. think we said anything that bad. No. Well, maybe the maybe the alphabet soup statement, but. Yeah, but that's that's coming from a good place, and, yeah. and I qualified and said, like, listen, that's yeah, that's not the view of the podcast. It's the <laughs> no, view of one but, person. No, but, but you know what? To, to, to make your point a little more eloquently, I think what you're saying is that, uh, and and uh, the news media, I will quote the news media, is that uh, a significant portion of America, the the standard um, working class rural guy and gal feel like they're completely ignored and they've seen their entire future go down the shitter and uh, well, right or wrong they see other groups being elevated and given all these special favors and all this special status and well, they're you completely the other night? kicked to the Did you hear the other night about the, the Somali that, that drove, or the other day, the Somali that drove, tried to drive over a bunch of people to Ohio? At, uh, yeah, well, he actually did drive over a bunch okay. of people. Okay, and then he stabbed a bunch of other people, and yeah. the white cop shot him. 
The Black Lives Matter people having conniption fits about the fact that it was a white cop shot a black guy. Well, I haven't seen that, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. But I haven't actually seen it. Yeah, out, yeah. Out one of the one of the uh, one of the the movers and shakers in that movement, probably the guy that Soros is paying. Uh, was yeah. on the, on that's going to be the talking. end of them because nobody's going to put up with getting driven over by a car. No, like no. I'm sorry. Like, well, you know, and what's amazing to me is this guy had. I mean, this is the kind of enemy that you're up against right now. You're up against a a movement that has the ability to change somebody's position just by what they read on the internet to the point where they're willing to get in their car. This guy was given legal status for the rest of his life yeah. as an immigrant. Well, and, and, and you know, he's uh, given basically a free education exactly. and all this stuff. Well, so I was reading, you know, they get radicalized. Right. Yeah. Well, so I was reading this Woe Is Me article in the New York Times the other day that uh, they were all sad because all of the jihadist internet shit posters have been killed by drone strikes. <laughs> so Obama did something right. Yeah. He's at least well, killing off these. And, and, okay, so the other thing I want to say, people, is that uh, if you give a president some space, uh, give them 10 years before you think about them again, and then you think back and you're separated from it, you're going to find out that they weren't really as bad as you thought they were. Same, same thing with Clinton. I think Obama, you will. I, it remains to be seen. I'm going to give it a ten, ten yeah. years before I even before I ever think about him again. But if you look back, he did do some right things, like blowing up the jihadi shit posters. <laughs> I mean that right there, and and then you know he made some mistakes, but everybody in that job is going to make some well, mistakes and, and stuff. And the thing about the thing about Obama that that I never could understand was the fact that he's never run anything in his entire life except community organizing. Right, and so so there's 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 a lot of we, you could go back and you could fight that battle. What I'm saying is, give it ten years and then look at it again. You're probably not going to have a a great favorable opinion of him, but no, it's I not going to be as bad as I think he'll be right down there with Jimmy Carter, if not. Yeah, worse. everybody still hates Jimmy Carter, yeah. but this is a president who literally got attacked by a rabbit. Yeah. Fucking for real, look it up. Yep. You know, so like, everybody still hates Jimmy Carter, but not as bad as they did when he was the president. Like, think about that. He got landslided out of office four years after being in. Mm-hmm. His, his answer to the energy crisis was, you should all wear sweaters. Yeah. I do. Yeah. You know, like, what? Wear a sweater? Fuck you. Yeah. How about you open up the oil pipeline? I tell you what, I remember. I remember that. I was driving that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when gas doubled overnight. Yeah, and then there were lines, and I remember waiting in line for it, but I wasn't driving at the time. Anyway, when, when I was, uh, when I first got my driver's license, gas was 40 Five cents a gallon. Yeah. And it went to a dollar. That was like freaked the fuck out of everybody. Within yeah. a year, it went to a dollar. Yeah. And uh, it was right at the time that. When they were saying it was going to be an ice age. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was going to be an ice age. We were all going to freeze to death. It was. Yeah. It was funny. I mean, I, wear I, sweaters. Yeah. Wear sweaters. Well, um, and then. So, like. Uh, all I'm saying, and the reason I'm saying that about if you give the president some space, is all the people that are freaking out about Trump right now, 
just realize that he can only do so much. And let him do his thing. Uh, he, can, he can only screw up so much. And then ten years later, look back and see. Was it really as bad as you thought it was at the time? Right. right. And that's all I'm saying. Anyway. Well, I, and I think, that, I think the people that are going to bitch the hardest are the people that are douchebags that don't want to work, that all of a sudden they're going to have to work. Well, because I think there's they'll get, come they'll get shifted time. into another form of non-work. So this is what happened with Bill Clinton's uh, welfare-to-work thing. Yes, they went off the state welfare rolls. They went on to the federal disability rolls. As the state welfare rolls dropped, yes, theoretically they're off welfare. They're on disability. Yeah. So the, and the states act actively encouraged people to to go apply for disability because then it's off of the state budget. Yeah, so how the they disabled? Okay, so this is a story, true to life story from when I was moonlighting in the ER in rural Kentucky. Uh, it'd be Sunday and I'd be in the ER and I, my shifts were usually Friday night to Sunday night. I'd just take the whole weekend and work the whole weekend. Well, Sunday at like 1 o'clock, a family wakes up. They've got a dad who's like 35, mom who's 33, uh, 18-year-old boy, 16-year-old girl, and like a couple other kids younger. Seven people in the same family all come in for back pain. And because you can't prove back pain, right? You cannot prove it, and so and you have to have a certain number of visits to say you know to qualify, and you have to have sought so much. I mean, there's a system, but it's easy. It's an easy system to beat, and this that wasn't just one story like that. It was over and over and over again. People coming in to to, doc, to have documented in their medical record that they've got some physically debilitating thing, you know, and so. I, I honestly think that there is a certain percentage of the population that will never work, uh, has no interest in working, and will always try to cheat the system. And you can try to change the system, they'll just find another hole. Yeah. You know. But I like to... Uh, there's nine, to keep, in, keep in mind, there are 90 million able-bodied working people in the United States not working. Right. They're still eating. You know, so I, I I don't get too wrapped up in the day-to-day particulars of that. I I just recognize that you know we no, I, we, I, we unfortunately accepted a long time ago that it, it it is undignified to ask them to rely on charity because they were being taken care of just fine in charity, mm-hmm. uh, but we decided it was undignified to ask them to actually have to ask for food mm-hmm. and ask for help mm-hmm. that we should just give it to them mm-hmm. and. And once you make that decision, you can't really nitpick about it anymore. You're, you're pretty much fucked. And we're never going to go back because the next day, that family of seven people with back pain is going to be on Oprah. You know? So anyway. <laughs> so people with back pain. Yeah, in the same family. Some of them are like seven and nine-year-old kids with back pain. Bullshit. Bullshit, kid. They want their, me- they want their medical marijuana card. Well, they, I don't think Kentucky had it at the time. We've got it in Michigan, though. Oh, yeah. Um, which is another thing. That's another topic for another day. I, I'm not too fired up either way on that subject. I don't care. I want the tax money. To be honest, I want the tax money. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I, fine I, with I, I don't think that we should. I don't. I don't think that we should encourage vice. But you've got 
um, I think you should treat it like you do alcohol and cigarettes. Treat it as a public health problem rather than a criminal problem. Is it really a public health problem? Yes. You don't want. I don't want people being drunks and doing cigarettes and all this stuff. But uh, they're going to do it anyway. So you, you you manage it more as a public health issue than you do a criminal issue, like we do with tobacco and cigarettes. Uh, say that about helmets and motorcycles. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's a bunch of things. I mean, there's a lot of... The, the problem with going down that path has always been who's decide what the sin is. The sin tax, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, so now you got a government playing God, and that's that's an issue, too. Well, and I, well, well, they're doing it already. Yeah. You know, so they've decided they're going to have a war on drugs, which has been woefully awful. You know, I just saw, but I just saw something about the prison system was a part of that. The private sector prison system was part of that. Yeah, and they they're starting to because there was an incentive to keep people in prison right. because people were making money off of it. And so, at any rate, I don't have all the answers to that, but. My and my thinking has evolved over the years. Now I know you're supposed to like stake yourself down, drive a stake into the ground, and then attach a chain to it and attach that chain to your leg, and you're supposed to stand there and fight until you die. But but sometimes like you know maybe your thinking on some issues can change a little bit over the years. Now I I've slowly kind of been evolving my thinking and thinking of marijuana more like I think of it of alcohol and cigarettes it's regulated it's taxed and we treat it as a public health problem and try to minimize this the harm is, of it rather than the, jailing people this is the problem I have with the whole thing you know we, and I have a lot of people compare pot to alcohol a lot of different things yeah and they're different things and and the reactions are different and I always say, look, I can have one drink and not kill my brain cells. Okay, that's not the point of me having my drink. Yeah. If you smoke a joint, you're not smoking a joint because it tastes good. <laughs> you know, you're not smoking a joint because you're smoking a joint to get high. And the process, while you're high, is hurting brain cells. Right. That's the problem I have with the whole thing. And all you have to do is talk to a pot smoker. Right. And they'll, and yeah. they'll, tell, and they'll basically tell you without saying anything that they're a pot smoker. Right. Well, and, and so, again, my point is, is like, I don't have all the answers, but my thinking is evolving into more of treating it as a public health mm-hmm. issue. Um, than, than as a criminal issue. And, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe well, history will say that I'm wrong. I think, it, it, I think wrong. It, it stupefies people. I think that's a yeah. problem. Well, yeah, and then so, but, so maybe, I, maybe I'm evolving my... I, I'm willing to admit that sometimes I can come to a wrong conclusion about yeah. things. Yeah. You know, so maybe I'm, I'm evolving in the wrong way. I had but, that once. I but, thought I was wrong. Well, right now, <laughs> you know, I, I, you, you have to kind of... You have to evaluate and oh, think well, constantly. I mean, that's, you, you can't just have an process and never think about it again. Yeah, you know? the, the process of, uh, we used to call it API, assess, plan, implement, yeah. and evaluate. Yeah, and exactly. Redo the whole thing over again. That's the same kind of thing. Yeah.
I, I concur with that. Well, anyway, we should go. I want this hamburger. We'll talk to you soon. We're going to eat hamburgers. Hopefully, Jim will want to go to the City Park Grill. We're in Petoskey right now. City Park Grill was uh, rumored to have been frequented by none other than Her- Ernest Hemingway. Yeah, he hung out in Petoskey quite a bit. Yep, there's a, there's an Ernest Hemingway Appreciation Fanboy Club or whatever, and they've got all these plaques hung up all over the yep, place yep. of and where he used to go. He, back in the day when he was sane... Before he became a big boozer. Well, before he became like the major depression dude that lived in Cuba. Yeah. He was. Uh, he was uh, back. Back when he was in Petoskey was when he was young. And young and yeah. And uh, just before he went off to war. And, yeah. Well, World War One fucked a lot of people up, but that's a subject for another time. And uh, people, if you haven't checked it out, speaking of World War One, go ahead and check out Battlefield One, which is said. And nobody's paying us to make these podcasts, by the way. So this is an actual yep. uh, thing. Go check out Battlefield 1. Anyway, uh, enough of that. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Some call him Manuel. Think I'll call him Jesus. Mm-hmm, yes, think I'll call him Jesus. Mm, yes, pretty little Jesus, glory be to the